If you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, it's an epistle that Paul wrote while he was in prison uh, to the church in Ephesus. Uh, by the way, if you ever get a chance to go to Ephesus, it's an amazing uh, former Roman colony. A lot of the ruins are still there. Uh, you can see their old library. It's, again, one of those places you go and say, wow, it's in modern-day Turkey, uh, but it's an absolute uh, a cool place to realize, man, there's so much story here. You know, Paul was here. Uh, there's so much of what we read right there. Well, we are in week two uh, of a really kind of a shorter sermon series just for the month of January. Uh, the sermon series entitled, The Glorious Body of Christ. And what is the glorious body of Christ? Well, it's who we are. It's the church. It's the way that Scripture will describe us. Uh, there's many ways that Scripture describes the church. Some beautiful things like we are the bride of Christ. Uh, remember, church means, uh, the, the Greek word is ekklesia, called out. That we've been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Uh, through the work of Christ Jesus. Uh, he set an incredible love on us that we are His. And He calls us this glorious body, the body of Christ. As Christ is our head, uh, we are the body. Uh, and as He uh, loves the, the body, the church, enough to lay His life down for us. And so uh, this is week two. We got a couple of more weeks. And one of the reasons we're doing this, again, it's so important for us to, again, examine the church. Who are we and what are we called to do? Because we are we're bringing on officers. Uh, we are kind of shifting. We're going to be an elder-led church. We're going to have deacons in this King, uh, King's Chapel Women's Council to help lead us. And it's important for each one of us to know where's our part and how do we fit. And if I'm a leader, what do I do? And if I'm not, what do I do? So that's kind of where we find ourselves. By the way, I, I love music. Uh, usually, I, I got an irritating uh, uh, habit. If I'm in the car, the first thing I do is plug my phone in uh, because I want to listen to music. Uh, I, I love listening to music throughout the day. Uh, I, I love the best music. Usually, I'll listen to classic rock or, or something like that. Uh, I also listen to Christian music, by the way, as long as it's good. Uh, but I am a big-time fan uh, I usually find loyalty. I stick to a group that I really love. And one of my favorite groups uh, out of Ireland, um, whose front man is actually a believer, uh, who I think is a really cool, great philanthropist. I'm kind of leaning up to this. Uh, the band I love is Mumford & Sons. You are right. I do love Mumford & Sons. They're out of England. But this is you too. Uh, so you too. And I, I don't know where Marcus is, Marcus Mumford, faith-wise. I think he's there. But Bono. I mean, Bono, um, uh, interesting guy, um, uh, certainly uh, talented. Uh, again, they've been more in the background these days, but uh, for several years, I mean, U2 was, was one of my favorites. It's one of those groups that, while I was in high school, I was listening to U2, and then still can listen to them. Uh, one of my, my favorite songs is a song entitled One. Uh, one, and it's, it's interesting because Bono said this song was like a gift. It's like it, it fell out of the sky. It was like one of those things was so easy to write, uh, and it was, it was so easy to put together. And it's a beautiful song called One. And the interesting backstory of this is he wrote this really in response to an invitation he got from the Dalai Lama. And I don't know about you, but I don't get too many invitations from the Dalai Lama. You know, the Lama is not writing me, inviting me to a whole lot of things. But he wrote to Bono and said, hey, we're having this conference on oneness. And we would like for you to come. And it's interesting 
because the Dalai Lama was going to talk about oneness of all religions, of all races and people that were all just like this big one. Uh, and so Bono's response to the Dalai Lama uh, was to say, hey, we're one, but we're not the same. I mean, we really aren't the same. There, there, there's a marked difference between the followers of Jesus Christ, those who have surrendered their life by God's grace to Jesus as Lord and Savior, that our oneness isn't a oneness with all of creation or with all the world. Our oneness, according to Scripture, is with a God who is. And our oneness is with one another. And so that we are one, we are one as the body of Christ, we are one as the true church, uh, but we too are not all the same. Uh, we have, look around, we have different gifts, we have different abilities, we have different likes. Uh, some of you don't like classic rock. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you don't, you know. Some of you have different genres that you like, and some of you uh, uh, have different things that you like, and, and, and we all have different gifts. And this is all from God's hand. Because why? There's not one of us who hasn't been created by our God. We've all been made in his image, and he's the one who has gifted us. We are one, but we are different, and that's all by God's design, and that's the part of the beauty of the church. So we're going to look to Paul's letters, in, in the letter in Ephesus. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 4. We're going to look at three main things. One is this, we are one. I'm going to describe to you how Scripture says that we are one. The second thing is this. Uh, we are each given grace or given gifts, really, that each one of us is not only one, but we different, have different gifts that have been given to us. And then lastly, that we flourish uh, in love. And so I'm going to read um, again uh, this incredible letter. Um, it's it's, it's kind of like this, by the way. The book of Ephesians, uh, when you jump into a letter, let me give you a quick background. Uh, it's six chapters. Uh, I told you Paul wrote it in prison. Uh, he wrote it to a church in Ephesus. Uh, the first three chapters talk about our oneness in Christ. How God has taken those who are dead in their trespasses and sins and made us one. How God in Christ Jesus has knocked down a dividing wall between Jew and Gentile that we're all one. But in verses... Uh, chapters 4 through 6, it's more how do we live as one in Christ? So the first three are kind of like, how did God, by his grace in Christ, make us one? Um, and, and the significance of that, and then 4 through 6, how are we to live as one? So we are picking up the story. Uh, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 16. You have a Bible in front of you. Uh, if you'd like to jump in that way, you'll have the words on the screen. But let's remember, this is God's holy and errant word. It will never lead us astray. Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, these words. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, and this will be in the plural, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And here's where we get where we're really going in verse 4. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, and he's going to quote, kind of quote Psalm 68 here. I'm going to unpack that for you. 
When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he, this is, by the way, Jesus, if you haven't picked that up, and he gave the, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. When Scripture says saints, by the way, this is the Greek word agios, holy ones. Uh, so this isn't some ancient person that was more religious than you. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's you. He calls us saints. Wow, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? So he gave us these leaders in the church, verse again, 12 again, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be Children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up uh, in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. So it builds itself up in love. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, what joy is ours that we are connected to Jesus. That he is not only our Savior, he is the head of the church. And that we are the body of Christ that by your grace and this great mystery of, of Christianity and your grace and faith, that we have a union, we have a connection to your Son, our Savior, Jesus. And through that union and the connection, that, that, that life of Christ flows into us, the church. That, that, that life, that eternal life is now ours in Christ Jesus. Because of his blood and righteousness, that we could be forgiven and free and, and adopted into your family, that we are your beloved family, your beloved bride, your glorious body of Christ. That's the church. That is who we are in Christ Jesus. So God, would you remind us of who we are? Would you remind us of what Christ has given to us? Would you remind us of our oneness? Would you remind us of our giftedness? Would you remind us of our purpose, our mission, of why we are here? God, this is important because it's not only your word, we're talking about your bride. So God, be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me. And for your glory and the good of our neighbor, give us ears to hear your voice. And God, that minds to understand your word hearts that would embrace your truth. And as we saw in the beginning of this passage, that we would have feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name. Oh God, the things that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things be forgotten and fall away. But God, through the preaching of your word, make us imitators of Christ. We pray in his matchless name. 
Amen. What we're going to see in this incredible passage is that we are one. Uh, yes, there are different parts. There's many, many, there's many of us, but in Christ Jesus, we are one. So the first question you've got to ask, well, how? You know, how are we one? I mean, we, uh, we have some Yankees here. we got some folks from Iowa. we got some native Floridians. we got some people from Ohio. Uh, we got a guy from the land of all places, right? And so here we all are, uh, but we are one. How are we one? And what I love about this, if you really want to examine Scripture, one of the greatest rules is here we are in Ephesians, but what, did, what does the rest of Scripture tell us about this? Where are parallel passages that we can find a little bit more? And last week we were in 1 Corinthians 12. It talked about our giftedness. It's paralleled in Romans 12. But in Romans 12, 4 and 5, Paul also writes these words. For he says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same functions, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. I love that. It's really going to say, look, there's many of us, there's individual members of us, there's different gifting of us, but you know what? We're one, because we are one body in Christ. So here is the million-dollar uh, question. Uh, this is the most important one is this. Is this in Christ? It says in Christ. Scripture says that. It's very important for us to understand what does it mean to be in Christ, because it's in Christ that we find our oneness. And the question is, are you, am I, are we in Christ? How are we in Christ? Well, we look at verses 4 through 6, what we read in Ephesians 4, and it says a lot of things. He says, well, we were called to Christ. In your calling, you were called to Christ. So here are some of the things that Scripture says. Are you in Christ? Well, there's one Lord. Is Jesus and Jesus alone your Lord and Savior? Is he your Lord? There is one faith. This is faith in Jesus. My hope is built on nothing more, nothing less, and nothing other than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That really, I know that there's... Now, when it comes to one faith, this is important. There's a lot of denominations. And there's a lot of denominations that will tell you about Jesus. And many of them are fantastic. Uh, some are better than others. Um, some have given up on God's word. and We've got to be uh, cautious of that. But I'm going to tell you, this one faith includes those who are Catholic, who truly believe the Lord Jesus is their Lord and Savior, those who are Baptist, those who are Lutheran, those who are non-denominational. So this one faith... Now, there, there shouldn't be any denomination or non-denomination that we're the ones who have the true faith. If there's someone who says, we are the ones and no one else has it, run like crazy, all right? Because one faith, I'm telling you, God loves diversity. And he's going to say, at the end of the story, there's going to be every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group. And we can ask him, God, why did you allow so many denominations? And why did you allow so many different things? I don't know. But I think a lot of them bring some good things to the table. So it doesn't matter denominationally, ultimately, where you are. It, it matters faith-wise. Some denominations will say you're okay and you're saved if you're a part of us. If you got baptized through us, if you got confirmed through us, if you, were, you joined us, therefore you were in because you're part of us. Well, listen, there's going to be a lot of people who show up and meet Jesus, and he's going to say the scariest words in all of Scripture. You know what? I never really knew you. 
And they'll really say, well, wait a minute, well, I, I was baptized, or I was confirmed, or, or I joined the church, or I, I, I did the service project. And, and the really key here is one faith. Is Jesus your Lord? It, have you gotten to the point where you've asked him into your life? You confessed your sins, and you realize who he is, and you have that one Lord, one faith. And then there's this one baptism. And what does one baptism mean? It's, it's this one baptism into Christ, that we've been baptized into his Christ. His life, our life. His death, our death. His resurrection, our, our resurrection. Now, baptism as a sacrament is a very important thing. It's a sign of a reality that points to, that he's in your heart. It's a seal of that. But there's people in this church that I love, that are my brothers, that are even leaders in our church. And we have a little different differences regarding who should be baptized. Should we baptize children, just born-again believers? Who should be baptism, baptized? So don't get confused if there's one baptism, because I know that the church, the bigger church, can exercise baptism in different ways. But this is saying, no, no, no. There's one you've been baptized into Christ. Have you given your life to him? You're baptized in him. By the way, if you have, you should have a sign and seal on that. So, so some of those of you who haven't been baptized, maybe young people that are waiting, let's do it. Because this is a, this is a declaration that, that he's your Lord and Savior. It's an important thing. It's not a salvation thing. It's a, it's a sign that points to salvation, if that makes sense. But there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And most importantly, one God and Father of us all. That Jesus says, what? Like, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me. Now hit pause. I did a wedding this week in Brooksville, this weekend. Man, Brooksville. There was not a whole lot there. And we, 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 the wedding was in the middle, kind of the boonies. Um, beautiful. Yesterday was a great day. Can you imagine today for a wedding? Had yesterday, had today. Whew. Yesterday was fantastic. Well, um, the bride and groom, very nice of them. They put Katie and me up at the finest hotel in, in Brooksville. Um, thank you. And uh, it was nice. It really was nice. And those of you who are watching from Brooksville, so sorry. But I was at a, a hotel where you open up the, uh, the drawer, and there's a Bible. I love it. Fantastic. And there's a Book of Mormon. Hmm. And they have them right next to each other, side by side. And saying, hey, the, these, are, these are equal. These, these, are, these are from God. And you want to say, no, they're not. Uh, there's a Bible that's there, uh, and there's a man's work right there. And so it's important that this one, we are one in Christ Jesus. The question is, are you in Christ? And if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. So let me, let me, let me make sure you understand this. Am I in Christ? Is Jesus your Lord? Have you come to a place that you've embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Let me tell you what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. It's beautiful. He says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled sinners like us to himself, and he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And here's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. You probably hear me say it millions of times. For our sake, he, God our Father, made him, God the Son, Jesus, to be sin, our sin, who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
If that's a verse that makes your heart sing, if you say, I don't get it all, but I, that's me, you're in Christ. That's it. That is such a beautiful thing. So we are one if we are in Christ. Why are we one? Well, we're, we're one because Christ prayed at the end of his life in a high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. The one request he had of his father is that we be one. That we would be one in Christ Jesus as a father and son are one. That we would be one. Why? For the glory of our great God. For the good of our neighbor. For us to be the church, a city on a hill. For us to be the light of the world. For us to do that which God has called us to do. We have to have unity. We have to have oneness. I mean, if we're a mess who's segregated and spread out what the enemy wants to do, saying the church is not that important, do your own thing, then we, we've lost our mission. We've lost our identity. Why are we one? For the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor, for us to be the useful church, uh, the body of Christ. But what do we do with our oneness? Um, you know, again, in those first few verses of Ephesians 4, Again, let me remind you, Paul says, hey, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, which you've been called. If you are one, walk in a manner worthy. Don't forget who you are. You're connected to Christ Jesus. But how do we live our lives, and I love this, with all humility? We should be the most humble people on the earth. Why? Because we are who we are purely by God's grace alone. God loves sinners like us. And he's given us a gift that we never deserve. We should be humble. We should be thankful. We should be gentle as our Savior was gentle. We should be patient because our God is patient with us. And we should be bearing one another in love. We should be loving one another. And I'm telling you, some of you are harder to bear with one another in love. But all of us should be bearing with one another in love. And that was kind of a joke, and you should have laughed, and it didn't go anywhere. But eager to maintain the unity of peace and the bond of the Spirit. Humble people, gentle people, patient people. Does this describe the church? Hmm. We should be. Bearing with one another in love. Listen, you can't bear one another in love if you don't know each other. If you haven't entered, if you haven't rubbed shoulders and know this is what they're going through. This is why we got to be connected to one another. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. It's important that we're healthy, we're together, we're unified. Not just to point out our differences. Whether it's political or or little things that we can disagree with, Gators, Seminoles. We all know the truth, right? Go Golden Knights. Anyway, in the bond of peace. But here's the cool thing. Stick with me. So we are one, right? What do we do with our oneness? And watch this. But we are each given grace and gifts. We are one, but we're given different gifts. And who gives our gifts? Well, it says Christ gives them to us, right? He's the one who gives us. And here's what I, I, I saw this passage. I can't wait to get to this passage, part of this. How does Christ give us our gifts? I want you to look at verse 8. And Caleb, I hope the next slide. Is the next slide the two parallel things pulled up together? Yes, it worked. Okay, so here's the cool thing. All right, you guys ready? This is your dorky pastor that loves Scripture, that loves these connections. So journey with me, go with me. This is really cool because Paul is going to actually quote Psalm 68, 18 when he's talking. Remember that the one who descended also ascended? And it's got this thing. Let's look again at 4, 8. When he ascended on high, that's Jesus, right? After the empty tomb, he ascended on high. He led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Read verse 18, where it's quoted out of, and you can see, again, he and you have been changed. But what is the biggest difference between Psalm 18 and Ephesians 
4, verse 8. What's the difference? Come on, you're smart. Everybody's nervous. Who get, what happens to the gifts in verse 8? They're given. What happens to the king's gifts in verse 18? They were received. Okay, let me tell you what's happening here. This is so cool. This is what it is. This is a picture of a returning king from the battlefield. Okay, everybody, every Roman could picture this. This was a king, so he went off to battle, and what is he doing? He's coming back. You could smell the victory because they're burning the incense, and guess what's behind him? It's, it's a train of captives. They just kicked somebody's backside. They got all the plunder with them, and here they're coming back into town, and what is the king doing? He's receiving the plunder. The king is giving all the gifts. Um, here's a victorious king who has come, who receives gifts, uh, who says, the victory is mine. Look what I have done. And he comes back from the battlefield, a conquering king, plundering those that he had as a victory over. What does this say about Jesus? Now, you've got to see this. You can't miss this. This conquering king named Jesus, he gives gifts. What kind of king gives gifts? This is a king who, who's taken the plunder that he has received by being the only obedient son, dying on the cross uh, uh, for our sins, resurrecting, receiving all the blessings of the Father. He says, by the way, all the plunder of life and life abundantly, forgiveness of sins, adoptions, I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to give you the gifts. I'm not going to be the king who says, give me all the gifts. No, no, I'm going to be the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you my own. I'm going, to, I'm going to conquer you. Yeah, you're going to be in my train, but you're going to be singing my praises. Because why? Because I love you. And because I've given you all these gifts. It's amazing to see this is Scripture. And this is where Paul, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is going to quote Psalm 68 and say, by, by the way, there's a little tweak here. And the tweak is, our king gives us gifts. He shares in the victory. How does he do it? It says, Jesus descended to the lowest regions. Why? What does that mean? God Almighty, the eternal one, put on flesh. He descended to the lowest regions. Bethlehem and a manger, right? I mean, he became a man. He walked among us. He went to the lowest depths of the earth. He's a friend of sinners. He hung out with prostitutes, tax collector, the scum of the earth. Why did he go to the lowest places of the earth? Because that's where his sheep were. Because that's where the ones he loved were. That he had to go to the depths to find us, to come alongside us, to love us, to be with us, to bear our sin, to know our name. That is Jesus who would leave heaven, come to earth, and include a cross. He, he descended to the depths. Because why? Because that's where sinners are, in the depths. And that because of his righteous life, because of his atoning death, the father accepted it. He, 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 he took him from the tomb. And he, he resurrected him from the dead. It is our life too. And he ascended to the heights. It says he went to the highest heavens. I don't even know what that means. But it's basically saying this. Christ will fulfill all things. He went to the lowest. The father reached up and took him to the highest. And now that he's at the highest, he fulfills all things. And all the blessings in Christ Jesus 
are ours. I mean, that is the beauty of the gospel. And as he had all authority, he says, and by the way, I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to give you gifts. Our unity in Christ is strengthened by the diversity of the gifts that Christ has given to us. We are one, but we are not the same. It's true. God loves variety in his family. And remember what we learned last week. Each piece fits uniquely, and the weaker ones are indispensable. You here in this church or watching online say, I'm not an officer. I'm not a leader. I'm new to this thing. I don't know that much. Listen, you're indispensable if you're in Christ. We need you. All hands on deck. All hands on deck. We need you. So what gifts does he give us? It's interesting what he says. He graciously gave us, the church, gifts. Why? To help the glorious body of Christ grow and flourish. And what are the gifts he lists? He said these gifts are in the form of leaders in the, in, in the church. The gifts to the body of the church. He says in verse 11, he gives us apostles. Well, they're no longer here. Those are the ones who walk with Jesus. They were given special gifts, special powers, special authority. Uh, now that they're gone and we have the full word of God, they don't, we don't have their gifts. Um, but he does still have evangelists. Robbie Robinson is an evangelist. The guy can't help but tell people about Jesus. I mean, the words of hope came from him. He wears me out. Can we have more of those words of hope? Can we tell everybody? Can you give them to him every time? Because we need to tell people about Jesus. He gave us evangelists. He also gave us shepherds. Those are elders. They're going to watch out for you, care for you, pray for you, love you, correct you, uh, point you to Jesus. He gave us teachers. He gave us other gifts. So, so he has given to his church leaders. He's given uh, those followers. He's given all of us gifts. You cannot be here and say, I don't have gifts. That's not true. All of us have been given gifts. But he talks about specific gifts he gave to the church. So the question is, why did he give us these gifts? And here's the most beautiful thing. People miss this nine times out of ten. He gave us leaders in the church it says this, to equip the saints, that's you and me, for the work of ministry. Listen to it again, verse 12. Listen to this. To, he gave these leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all obtain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He's basically saying, I'm giving you leaders, church, so that you will be built up, watch this, for you to do the work of the ministry. Most people think, who does the work of the ministry? Oh, it's the leaders. That's our new deacons, man. They set up the signs. They tear this place down. Our deacons do the work. And our elders, yeah, they do the work of shepherding and leading. No, 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 no. The leaders are here, it says, watch this, so that you, you and me, the church, is built up to do the work of ministry. All hands on deck. This is not we watch the leaders do the thing and we sit back and say, go, go, go. No, no, no. They're there to empower us to do the work of ministries, that we could be the body of Christ, that we could go and serve at choices. So you could show up at work tomorrow and be a light for Christ wherever you go. So you could be a light in your neighborhood. So you could be able to articulate your faith. So you can be able to stand up to arguments of people ringing your doorbell that want to tell you that Jesus isn't fully Lord, that he's not truly God, that he's not eternal. We're equipping you so that you could be the church, so that you could do the work of the church. 
I love that reality, the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Why? So that we could share, shine for him in a broken world. For the building of the body of Christ, Christ gave us gifts, verse 12. To obtain the unity of faith, verse 13. To have the knowledge of the Son of God, verse 13. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why did God give us leaders? To pour into you. And to to pour into them as well. So that we grow. So that we can stand for Christ in the broken world. Now, if you've lost me, I'm almost done. Come back and say, how much does the church need to be a church today? How much do we need to stand up? How much do we no longer say we got to be? We, we're getting knocked around. I mean, every every new doctrine, everything that's coming around, we're we're getting blown around. And he's like, no, no, no. You're supposed to be the church. You're supposed to be standing on Christ's solid rock. I mean, you're supposed to be a city on a hill. You shouldn't be like culture. You shouldn't be like the rest of the world. You should be strange and unusual people in love with God. I love that. Strange and unusual because we're in love with Him and we're in love with our neighbor and we follow a King that lived a long time ago but still lives and his name is Jesus, that his kingdom is more important than than an American dream, that his kingdom is more important than our very life, and that we are his people saying, you know, we've had enough. We're following the word. We're following our king. We're, We're following what he says for us. We're one body being built up and not being tossed around to and fro. We can't do it. Next week, we install our officers. And I want you to know they're going to be gifts from Christ Jesus. But why are they going to be gifts? To equip us to do the work of ministry. He gives us gifts for the work of ministry and for the building up the body. That's why we have them. That's what's going to happen. That's where we are. And lastly, so we flourish in love. This passage begins and ends with love. Bearing with one another in love. We need to bear with one another in love. We are different. We're sinful. But we need to love one another, care for one another in Christ, building up the body in love. Again, listen to verses 15 and 16. Rather, speak the truth in love. That's what we need to do as a church. Speak truth. Even when it hurts. Speak truth to one another in love. We're to grow in every way in Him who's the head into Christ. And I love this. It's talking about the church flourishing, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How are we doing? Are we growing? Are we loving Jesus more? How are we doing? Are we loving each other? Are we loving him? Oh, we're one. We're not the same. But I love that one of, one of, those, one of those passages, uh, one, of, one of the lyrics of you uh, 2 and Bono, he says, we're one, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other. And I love it because he, he, Bono got upset. He's, he's like, uh, he, the people were singing it wrong. Like, you know, no, no, we have to carry. We, we, we get to. This is a privilege. We get to carry one another. This is, this is being one. We get to carry one another's burdens. It's a gift. It doesn't feel like it all the time. But you want to be a part of the, bur- the church of Jesus Christ? He carried our burdens. And you know what? You should carry each other's burdens. You should care about each other's lives. We are one. Know the truth. Speak the truth in love. Grow in every way. May the body flourish. Join together. How do we do it? We love our God. We love our neighbor. And in Christ Jesus, we even love ourselves, forgiven and free. We, my brothers and sisters, are the glorious body of Christ. May we flourish for him. Amen? All right, let's pray.
And Father God, what an incredible picture you give to us at the church. I just love that Psalm 68 and the difference between that and Ephesians 4, that Christ our King, he doesn't just receive gifts, he gives them. God, each one of us is a gift to the church because each one of us that's in Christ has been gifted by you. And even our leaders, they're here for the whole church to flourish, for the whole church, all the saints, to, to do the work of ministry and to build up the church. Oh God, we love what you're doing at King's Chapel and we acknowledge that we are really just a small little piece of this greater kingdom and the bigger church. But we love this church and we're grateful for it. We want to be faithful to you and your word. Would your spirit, God, come and be among us in a powerful way? Keep us true to your word. And God, as we go to installing uh, officers, God, may we, we honor them and may we see that they're from your hand. But God, may we see that they're there to empower us to build up the church and do the work of ministry. Oh God, may we be a city on a hill that brightly shines for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.